Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 249. I'm your host, Mike Neglia, and I want to talk to you about your December preaching schedule. Uh, Whether you refer to this as the Advent season or just the weeks leading up to Christmas, I know that many preachers, myself included, uh, look to the month of December sometimes with a bit of dread mixed with optimism. The optimism is how exciting to be able to speak about the incarnation, the birth of Christ, and God's rescuing love for sinners. But the dread comes a bit like this. What on earth am I going to preach about this year? And so with that in mind, if that if that's you, well, I hope to serve you uh, with this episode. Uh, what I've done is I've reached out to a bunch of uh, my friends and or former guests on this show to ask for them to just give a, a brief encouragement and some ideas as to what the preaching calendar could look like for you in December. And then also some give some good heart advice as to how to get our hearts in the right place as we lead up to December 25th. So most of the people that you're going to hear, they've already been guests on the show. And so make sure that you check the show notes because there's going to be links that go back to all of their previous interviews that they've done before on the Expositors Collective Feedback. There's going to be a few who haven't been on the show yet, but the interview has already taken place and it's going to be coming out in the future. So I'll probably highlight that as uh, each voice and each guest comes on. Well, anyway, here is the first person to give some real solid and practical advice for you. Uh, This is Pastor John Stark. Uh, He leads the Apostles Church in Manhattan, uh, New York City, and he speaks about the benefits of the liturgical calendar and how it's really useful this time of year. My name is John Stark. I'm the lead pastor of Apostles Church in Manhattan, New York. This will be our 12th Advent season this year, and the challenge of coming up with something new or something different each year is difficult. So here are a few ideas that have helped us along the way. First, and this is probably the most uninspiring, so I'll get this out of the way first, but if you are a church community that follows the church calendar throughout the year anyway, then there are seasons potentially in Advent where you can allow the liturgy of the rest of the service, the songs, the readings, the Lord's Suppers, the prayers, you can allow those elements to carry the weight of the Advent season. So there was a recent year when we were preaching through the book of Hebrews, and instead of taking a break, to preach through Christmas texts, uh, we continued through Hebrews, allowing the rest of the service to carry the heavier load of the Advent season. I mean, I, I was sure to make some mention or some connections to the season, but I didn't feel the need to create four Christmas sermons out of the text, and I could depend a little bit more on the liturgy to carry the weight of the season. But not, you don't want to do that every year. 
you can also think about Advent uh, sermon series that, that cover the entire range of how the biblical texts approach the topic of the incarnation. So, for example, you can do a series of Old Testament passages that look forward to or anticipate the incarnation uh, or the coming Christ. What are four major promise passages in the prophets or in Genesis or in Exodus. Uh, or more traditionally, of course, you can do a series of sermons uh, on the gospel narratives of the birth of Jesus. And that's probably what we're all used to. Or you can prepare a, a series of sermons based on New Testament texts that look back on the nature of the incarnation. So you can do a sermon series uh, that looks at Philippians 2, and then go to Romans 1, 3, and 4, or Colossians 2, 9, or 1 John 4, 2. And these passages look at the, the flesh nature, uh, the human nature of, of Jesus and what, what that might mean for your people. One series we did, however, and these are a few unique ideas. Um, one series we did was on the women of Christmas. So it looked at the stories of the women around the Christmas narrative. And, and we did it, I think, in a pretty unique way. We, we first looked at the weeping or the laughing of Sarah, the, the wife of Abraham, who laughed about the idea that she was going to have a son and how this anticipated the miracle of the birth of Christ. And then we looked at the weeping of, of Rachel from Jeremiah 31 and Matthew 2, and, and, and we able to look at the grief of Christmas. And then we looked at the, the faith um, of Mary, and or faith of Elizabeth and the, the pondering of Mary. And these are just the stories that we were able both to look at the nature of Christmas, but also honor the women, maybe some overlooked people, um, figures in the, in the narrative of Christmas. Another season, we did a sermon series in the book of Psalms on spiritual preparation and waiting. So if, if the emotional weight of Advent is on anticipation and waiting, what does it mean to be ready for Christ? And so much of the Psalms is on the spiritual practice of, of waiting. So how are we preparing our people for that waiting and the anticipation, not only for the coming, the first coming of Jesus, which is what the Psalms prepared us to do, but also the second coming. Are, are we anticipating his coming again? Um, and you could do, you could do that in, in a lot of ways. I mean, if waiting or anticipation is uh, what Advent is about, you can, pull a, a lot from the Old Testament and New Testament texts on what does it mean to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus in this world who must wait. Um, and creatively, I mean, I, I think it's really helpful uh, to allow sermon series on the incarnation to come from your reading life. So books that provide theological and spiritual reflection on the incarnation of Christ are so helpful. A good example is Thomas Torrance's book on the incarnation. It's theological and it's scholarly, yes, but it's also a wonderful book that might open up new pathways and opportunities for proclaiming the incarnation that just, just wasn't there in your brain beforehand and just maybe opens up new vistas and ideas 
for a new sermon series. John Calvin is also good at this as well. Well, I hope that helps. And may you have a deeper experiential grasp of the presence of Christ this Advent season. Well, thank you so much for all that real on-the-ground practical advice, John. So now we're going to go from New York City over to my adopted home country of Ireland. Uh, We're going to hear from Shane Angland, who is the teaching elder at NS Evangelical Church, and he's going to speak about the unique opportunities that Advent preaching offers to us to speak of the deep and rich truth of the theology behind the Christmas season. Hi, Expositors Collective. Shane Angland here from NS Ireland. When we come to think about preaching at Christmas, often it is a challenge to be fresh because we know the story so well. But one thing I've pondered is what a great time for a preacher to bring in high theology. Often throughout the year, we are seeking to you know exposit the text and apply it to our congregations. But there is also a time and a place for the high exalted theology of Christ. And I think that can be a rewarding experience and maybe something that Um, would be a a gift in itself for us to contemplate uh, the incarnation and what that means, that God took on flesh. And that is something that is both mysterious, humbling, and also, I think, central to the gospel. And I think the, the great feasts of the church, Easter and Christmas, would certainly be opportunities for us to to elevate the minds of our congregation to reflect on on the mystery of God's work of salvation for us. Well, thanks, Shane. We're now going to hear from Dr. Ian Clary. Uh, Ian is a Canadian who is living in Colorado. He is a church history professor at Colorado Christian University. Uh, He's been on some previous episodes and him and Shane have an episode coming out very soon on what we can learn from St. Augustine. And so here is Dr. Ian Clary with some advice for your Christmas preaching. Hey, Expositors Collective. This is Ian Clary. Um, I teach out here in Colorado, good friends with Mike and super happy to be able to talk to you guys about what preaching like during Advent and uh, Christmas tide. Uh, so I always kind of think of like Advent um, as sort of like the backwards way of way we've you know celebrated Christmas in our culture. Uh, in our day, you know, people want to feast and have fun leading up to Christmas. Then you get Christmas Day comes, you're opening up all these presents, and then it seems like this massive letdown. And you're like, shoot, you know, and then you kind of like eke it out until you get to New Year's, you have a big party at New Year's, and then everything after that sucks until you get to Easter, right? Um, but the way the church calendar, uh, the liturgical calendar has functioned is that it's actually the opposite of how we're supposed to do things. Uh, Advent is actually a Lenten season. So it's a time where you're actually supposed to be fasting. Uh, you're supposed to be sort of like thinking about reflecting upon your sin, right? As that kind of lead up to Christmas tide that starts 12 days of Christmas, starts the Feast of the Nativity. That's where all your partying comes in, Right. Uh, that's where you're like celebrating the birth of Christ coming into the world uh, that leads you up to Epiphany in January 6th. Uh, and so that that's that's the fun time, right? It's not the letdown time. 
And uh, I think that actually impacts the way we should be preaching. And when we when we're thinking about uh, like what what preaching during Advent should look like, it, it, there should be a, a real serious stress on like uh, you know being circumspect, like kind of identifying with Israel and that kind of darkness before the the coming of the Messiah into the world and the feast of the Nativity. Um, you know, I'm obviously it's hard in our culture to not you know go to Christmas parties for work and that sort of stuff um for, for for people but i think in our churches uh, i think what pastors could be doing is stressing those things in in the preaching for those four sundays in advent um like that you know recognizing that hey guys you might not be fasting for four weeks here but like let's what are things that we can be doing so that it'll really help us in our meditative life uh, as we lead up to to christmas i do think i'm a baptist but i think that like actually following the church calendar pretty seriously is is like helpful on this uh, even like looking at various lectionaries that different church traditions will have, whether it's Anglican or Lutheran or something like that, can set texts for us that have those Advent themes in mind, and they'll change uh, every year. So it's like super helpful to just, you know, uh, take those texts and then kind of preach from them to to strike at that sort of more circumspect, you know, perspective on things, I guess. Well, thanks, Ian. Maybe some of you are listening to this and you're thinking, you know what? All these people just love Christmas so much. Um, What if Christmas is uniquely challenging for me? Well, all you fellow Scrooges out there, listen up, because here's Dave Lomas, uh, pastor of Reality San Francisco in San Francisco, California. And he's speaking about how to make sure that the church gets fed during December even if you're not the one doing it. Uh, Dave and I had a great conversation that is going to be coming out on December 20th. So make sure that you're subscribed so that on December 20th, you can hear a much longer and broader conversation uh, with Dave about the art of preaching. But here's Dave Lomas on Christmas when you're not that into it. Hi, I'm Dave Lomas. I am the church planting and lead pastor of reality in San Francisco, California, United States of America. And here's my thoughts on Advent. First of all, I want to give permission to any preacher or pastor or teacher that feels like they have nothing to say during Advent. Sometimes, uh, most years, I feel that same way. Actually, when I was a young pastor, uh, I still fairly new at this, but when the first several years of pastoring my church, I taught through Advent. And then as I've, as I built a teaching team, I completely hand off Advent every single year because I frankly want to bring the best stuff I have in January. And this is the rhythm of our church. Most people, especially if you minister in a suburban context, most people will come back home for Christmas and your church will swell during Advent. If that was my case, I would put my best stuff in in Advent. But my church in a city empties during Christmas and everyone goes, quote, home. And so basically my church empties and most of my congregation is back in the new year. And so I put my energy, a lot of my energy towards the new year series. And I get people who love, we have a few teachers that love Advent and I let those people go at it. I help them develop a series. I, I oversee the development of that series. I allow emerging teachers to cut their teeth during this time. And it's just a magical time for them to do it because it's everything's decorated. It's beautiful. 
and all of the content is pretty much there for you. So it's really, really fun for me. So at this time of the year, what I'm doing and was doing that yesterday is I'm sitting with our emerging teachers and helping them put together a sermon. So Advent is very special. I love sitting and enjoying Advent, being taught, being ministered to by the other teachers with my family. And that's how I currently enjoy Advent. Well, thank you so much for that, Dave. I, I feel the same way. And I really appreciate your honesty and bringing us in on that. Well, now, what if you want to preach an Advent series through the minor prophets? Well, I have just the person who's able to help you with this. Uh, Dr. Taylor Turkington, uh, she wrote her doctoral thesis on the book of Habakkuk, and she has some great advice as how the minor prophets and Habakkuk specifically might be useful as we dive into some of the depths of not just Christmas, but the need for Christmas. So here's Dr. Turkington on Christmas in Habakkuk. This is Taylor Turkington, and I'm the director of Bible Equipping and the author of my book coming out, Trembling Faith. And I would love to talk about why we should think about the minor prophets when we're preaching coming up for Christmas. The history of the incarnation is the Old Testament, and we often preach Advent focusing on these birth narratives, which don't hear me to say that those are not what we need to hear. But in a world where some of the people listening to us are disillusioned or angry or grieving or afraid... I would say that there are prophets that lead us to the birth of Christ that speak into this brokenness. And if you've preached these people who have lost and lost and lost, then we want to be thinking, where in the text can we bring them and point them to the hope of Jesus? And I think that Habakkuk is a great option. Thinking about loss of stability in society, Habakkuk brings us to this place of rejoicing in the God of his salvation. The work of God to bring about salvation was better than anything Habakkuk could lose. And we know that God has done that, has provided that salvation for us in Jesus. And Mary almost quotes Habakkuk when you look at her song in Luke 1. If you look in the Septuagint, it's very clear that the wording is so similar. And we think about that too when we read more of Mary's song and she talks about this mighty one. And you wonder, was she thinking about Zephaniah 317, another passage you could think about preaching, that the Lord your God is in your midst, that he is the mighty one to save. He'll rejoice over you in gladness. That the Lord is the one that's going to be present with you. When does God do that? When is he present with his people? It is when he comes in the birth of Christ. Another text that I think about when I think about how do we point people to the good news of the coming of Christ is even Amos 9, when he talks about restoring the fallen shelter of David. He's going to repair its gaps, restore its ruins, that all the nations that bear his name will come in under this tent that he's going to throw open. In the book of Amos, he's been condemning the injustice, people who've been ignoring the injustice that's happening in society. And for religious fraud, he's been calling out the trampling of the needy. And Moses speaks of right anger and helping us even understand how we could be angry in this brokenness and that we need our hearers to understand how do we think about judgment? How do we think about hope? And the prophets weave this so beautifully that they that God is a God who will bring justice, but he was also a God of restoration. He's going to rip out the idol temples. He says at the beginning of, of Amos 9 here, 
He's also going to build the shelter of David that's going to stretch out over the world to the nations. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it's the tent of David breaking into the light. I recently wrote an article I'm preaching today that talks about these different verses, these passages that we can come to in the Minor Prophets. Because when we think about Advent, it is not just celebrating with Christmas lights and warm apple cider, but also recognizing the gloom and the darkness that Jesus stepped into for our salvation and that we can bring people there from the Minor Prophets. Well, thank you so very much for that. Uh, There'll be a link to that Preaching Today article that she mentioned in the show notes. Make sure that you check that out. And also, her episode is scheduled to come out on January 17th. So again, one more reason to make sure that you're subscribed so that on January 17th, you get to hear more from Dr. Turkington on Habakkuk and other topics. So now we're going to Minneapolis, and we're going to hear from David Mathis. He's going to speak to us about the theology of Christmas. I love preaching during Advent every bit as much as an Easter Sunday, maybe more, because I'm still going to get to the cross and the resurrection during Advent. But I may not explore the depths and the riches and the three dimensions of the amazing person of Christ in the same way at Easter. So let me commend three things about preaching during Advent. Number one, doctrinal preaching on the person of Christ. Throughout the year, we have to address all sorts of topics in the life of our local church. So many of those have to do with us in particular. Often the accent and focus is on the listener, on the human, on the redeemed in a way that it needs to be. But Christmas is such an amazing time to focus on the person of Jesus. There is not, in the American church, and probably in the global church, too much focus on the person of Christ, on his incarnation, on the hypostatic union, on his two natures in his singular person, on his preexistence. So Christmas is an amazing time to, in one sense, preach more like we should be preaching all year, namely focused on the person of Jesus. But I would say, as you preach during Advent, don't disconnect that from his work. So we have a great model in one of our hymns, What Child Is This? Maybe you know that second verse, nails, spear will pierce him through, the cross be born for me, for you. I remember as a kid thinking, what is that doing at Christmas? Don't ruin Christmas with death and the cross and nails and spear. But I was so naive and immature to think that what we need all the more during Christmas is the reminder of what he came for. So that hymn, What Child Is This, gets it precisely right. The baby in the manger came. God himself incarnate came to do something with purpose. It wasn't just an appearance as a cameo of some celebrity. He came to work. He came to achieve for us. He came to go to the cross. So the nails, the spear, the cross have their place at Christmas too. Through the person of Christ, we preach his work and preach all that God is for us in Jesus. So preaching his work at Christmas and at Advent is a glorious thing as well. One possible way to think through it is maybe there's a matrix of three items to keep in view as you preach during Advent. One would be the Christmas texts in the Bible that people think they know so well, but they really haven't gone deep below the surface. There are There is riches in the 
in the infant narratives, in the Christmas stories, in those Advent texts, in the Bible to preach year round for years, not to mention just four Sundays uh, of the year or one Sunday before Christmas. I would say, grab the story in Matthew 2 of the Magi coming. Go deep in the story of the Magi. There's so much there. In Luke 2, the story of the shepherds, Jesus' childhood in Luke chapter 2. So much there. Matthew chapter 1, the appearance of the angel to Joseph. His name will be Jesus. Yahweh saves because he'll save his people from their sins. So go deep in those Christmas texts that our people think they know, but they probably haven't paused to take a verse or two or a paragraph in the Christmas story and just linger over it. Our people, people with regenerate palates, will love it to have you explain to them in new depth the meaning of words they've heard over and over in their growing up years, in their adult years. So that'd be one, the Christmas text. Another would be the Christmas hymns. We have a treasury of riches in Christmas hymns, like what child is this? Nail, spear will pierce him through. Or the second verse of heart, the herald angel sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. There are glorious riches that our people sing year after year in the Christmas songs, but do they ever pause? Do they ever linger over those? Do they ever have a pastor come and explain to them what is meant by Charles Wesley's carefully crafted words about uh, the hail the incarnate deity in the person of Christ? So I'd commend those rich Christmas hymns. Joy to the world is another one. Preach on the second coming as we wait for his first coming, so to speak, in Advent. Maybe a third thing. So to go with the the Christmas text in the Bible, Christmas hymns, which you can draw upon. Let me come back to those central precious doctrines. Christmas is a wonderful time to preach doctrine because it is all so concrete around us with the gifts, with the trees, with the lights, with the bells. Christmas is so concrete. It's the most distinctive time of the year. And so people have those concrete hooks in place, which which we can preach doctrine. <laughs> it's a good time to be abstract, not totally abstract, make it concrete, but to go into into a doctrinal focus that would help our people understand first and foremost who Jesus is in his pre-existence, in his incarnation, full humanity, human body, human mind, human emotions, toughest of all, a fully human will, the hypostatic union, which just means the personal union, in one person union of full humanity and full divinity, the virgin birth, our virgin conception, so many good doctrines in our Christology that we might want to preach in Advent. So preachers, enjoy having Advent. It is a gift from God annually in our current calendar. Make the most of it. It is a glorious time to proclaim good news. Well, thank you so much, David. Really appreciate your insight and encouragement to look to Christ. Now, in the show notes, there's going to be a link to David's book, on the theology of Christmas. And if you enjoyed what he just said, then there's so much more waiting for you in his publication. Now, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, we're going to be heading over to Norwich, England. And previous guest, John Brown, is going to be speaking about his plans for the Christmas season. Hey, this is John Brown from Servants Church in Norwich, England. Uh, we've been here since we planted the church in late 2004, and I've had the privilege of preaching at 
uh, more Christmas services than I can count. And I have to say, it, it is always a little bit of a stress to think about what should I preach uh, on Christmas that does feel fresh. I've struggled to keep it fresh. I think the thing that gets me excited is that every year there's new circumstances, there's new trials, there's new needs, there's new uh, news items that the gospel directly speaks to. And of course, the Christmas story is something that 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 uh, is where, the, in a sense, the gospel begins, or at least where the gospel of Jesus begins. And so it's a really great chance for us to think, how can we take the truth of the gospel and see where it intersects with these current needs. And so that's what excites me, a chance to have almost every year we have a good group of uh, unchurched uh, people coming, friends and family people coming. And so this is a thing that we tend to to really think in and pray into is, is uh, what's the need right now and how does the gospel meet that need? And can we help these people, specifically visitors, to see the gospel uh, tied up or brought with the, the birth of Jesus Christ? So one of the things like we're doing, uh, we've done in, in previous years, is we've always done sort of a kids thing. And, and, and you might think, what's that have to do with exposing the scripture? Well, we've tried to make sure that the way we do those kids' messages uh, uh, really actually do unpack some scripture. It might be unpacking scripture, shooting for an audience of seven. But in doing that, what we found is not only do we do we reach the kids that are there, but also it communicates uh, in a way that, that unchurched adults really get. And so I think keeping the, the message simple, but also textual uh, is a way that we, we've kind of helped keep it fresh. Another thing that we, we've seen is is uh, having different kinds of services. We've been blessed now uh, for over the last few years with our own building, so we actually have two locations. And so what we tend to do is have one service uh, in, in December that is more of the what we call the family service, and that's when we maybe do that one directed message that's going to fit uh, younger people. But also what we, we've done is we've done more of a, a traditional Christmas carol service. And I don't know, there's something about being in England that just feels more Christmassy than anywhere else I've ever lived. And, and so it's a, it's a good chance to do something that feels a bit more traditional. This year, what we're doing is even something different, is trying to, to uh, uh, do what's called messy church, where it's really kind of craft-based. But again, uh, uh, we're doing that because of the need. We have a toddler's group that's exploding, and that is where we think we're going to uh, see a connection with with uh, uh, the, the people in the neighborhood uh, where our church building is. And so what we try to do is simply think about what the need is. We know the gospel is always applicable, but thinking what the current need is going on, the current circumstances in our neighborhood, in our city, and then say, Lord, show us how the Christmas message fits with that and let our exposition uh, be based on, even the text that we choose, be based on how, how Jesus meets that need. And so that's what we do. And from the UK, we're going to head to Colorado to hear from our final guest on this Christmas Advent episode. We're going to hear from Dominic Doan. Well, hey, Expositors Collective. My name is Dominic Doan, and I oversee a ministry called Pursuing Faith. Our website is pursuingfaith.org. And it's a ministry devoted to equipping Christians, ministry leaders, churches, church staff, to navigate culturally pertinent issues relating to faith and deconstruction. And, and I've had the opportunity to meet with many of you. I love what God is doing in you and through you. And I count it just an honor to share a few thoughts and reflection 
on Christmas and, and what it looks like for us as ministry leaders to help lead and love and shepherd people through Advent. Now, I want to begin by reading to you a well-known passage. You all know it, Isaiah chapter 9, where Isaiah says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then verse 6, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. You know, it's fascinating to me that of all the holidays and traditions that Christians have, the one holiday that secular culture has largely embraced is Christmas. You know, I was thinking it through the other day that, you know, when it comes to other sacred days, Good Friday or Easter, it's pretty much ignored by the world. But when it comes to Christmas, everyone's all in. Everyone loves it. And I think one reason is because culture interprets Christmas as kind of the ultimate feel-good holiday, right? Like we sing songs about peace on earth, goodwill to men. We associate Christmas culturally with things that make us feel happy. Candy canes, eggnog lattes, zoo lights, um, the movie Elf, whatever. And it's like everyone loves Christmas. And of course, it's during this time we start thinking about our New Year's resolutions. And here's all the ways I'm going to change my life, my health, my goals, which last till about January 3rd or 4th. And, and all the resolutions go out the window. But traditionally, um, our nation has looked at this season, Advent, Christmas, as a time of optimism about ourself, our future, the human race, peace on earth. But <laughs> the last few years, I think th there's change in the air. This has been a season where nationally, a lot of our collective optimism has kind of gone out the window. We've all seen it. Relationships, churches torn apart by politics, social issues that have driven wedges between families, stats on anxiety and depression have skyrocketed. In fact, it was the spiritual writer Thomas More who said the great malady of the modern age is what he called loss of soul. We live in this moment where the optimism we used to have is no longer there. Uh, the emerging generation, Gen Z, is the least optimistic generation in our nation's history, according to recent polls. And that is why I would argue what we are doing, what you guys are doing, the messages you're preparing, that the heart of the Christmas story, it's more relevant than ever. Because at its core, the story of Christmas isn't about optimism in our humanity. It's about our desperation. <laughs> it's about a God who came into our world to rescue and redeem and heal and patch our world, more than patch our world, renew our world and shape our world around the ethics and politics of the kingdom of God. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, God is not ashamed of us. He marches right in. God chooses people and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. And that is why what we're doing, what you're doing, matters. That, as Isaiah says, 
the people living in darkness would see a great light. And of course, Isaiah is writing this during one of the darkest times in Israel's history. They had one of the worst kings ever. The nation's debt was spiraling out of control. The economy was struggling. Unemployment was rising. The Assyrian army was gathering in the north. I mean, everything was falling apart. And it's in that context. I know it sounds like 2022, but Isaiah is writing this thousands of years ago. And he says, I know things are dark. I know you're discouraged. I know you're living in the shadow of fear, but here's the deeper truth. Here's the promise you need to hold on to. A day is coming. God will make things right. A day is coming. Good will overcome evil. A day is coming. Light will break into the darkness. A day is coming when hope will have the last word. And brothers and sisters, that is the message we get to share in this Christmas season. It's hope. Hope to anxiety. Hope to depression. Hope to despair. Hope to loneliness, addiction, shame. Hope to hopelessness. A few months ago, I was rereading the story of Hemlock Talika. Again, most of you heard of him. He was a pastor in Europe during World War II, uh, a contemporary of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And after the war was over, he went back to his church because he had to flee the city. It was being bombed. And he went back to the church that he had pastored for many, many years. And he discovered that his church building was completely gutted and destroyed. It was bombed out. The walls were blown out. The roof is gone. It was just mayhem, destruction. And it was only a few days until Sunday. And he's like, what do I do? Do I even show up? Should I prepare a message? But he, he did. And he showed up at that bombed out church on a Sunday morning. And everyone from his community showed up. That they stood there on the ruins of that bombed out, destroyed, gutted sanctuary. And Hemlock Talika, he, he had a simple message. It was from the Beatitudes, and he, he gets up and he kept repeating this phrase, and I, I love this. He said, life can begin again. Life can begin again. For a community that was ravaged by war, to, to a group of people, to a church that was despairing and broken and hurting and wrestling and wounded and wandering and hopeless, Hamlet Talika he gave them hope. Life can begin again. And that was the exact word they needed to hear to rebuild. And that is the message we get to share. And that is why what you're doing matters. Because no matter what people are going through right now, and it's a ton, no matter what people are facing right now, and it's dark, there's a ton of hopelessness out there right now, our message is hope. Life can begin again because to us, a child is born and to us, a son is given. Well, I do want to thank each and every contributor that has sent in their thoughts. I, I do hope that in listening to this all the way through that at least one or two of the voices has prompted an idea or spurred a thought 
or that the Lord might just use that to move you in a certain direction towards um, making the most of this season for your congregation's sake and even just for our own hearts that we don't get, I don't know, too sick and tired or burnt out on a familiar topic, but that literally is one of the most important things that ever happened in the history of the world. So here's here's my own, my own thoughts. I personally uh, do find that the ongoing repetitiveness of the Advent series, uh, sorry, the Advent season to be a little bit challenging uh, to think, what should I say this year? I've been uh, in pastoral ministry for, I think, 17 years. And so I've preached 17 years worth of Christmas sermons and especially Advent series. And so there is just that ongoing challenge to think, oh, what's a fresh take on it? So here's, here's two thoughts, okay? Number one, you don't need to be as fresh as you think that you do. I believe that it is okay if you've been doing this for 10 years, to revisit those Advent series from 10 years ago. Or you know what? Maybe even five years ago. It's worth it to be able to dip into the hard work that you've done in the past and then not just re-preach it verbatim, but to use that as a scaffolding that you use in the future. Uh, I did this for the first time when we had um, a church. Uh, we lost our building. Our, the landlord sold our, our building out from under us. And so we were actually moving into a new location, uh, which we're still currently at, a, a rented high school gym. And that was taking place late November into December. And in the midst of all the upheaval of that, I thought, I just need a little bit of a break. I'm just going to redo that series that I did six or seven years ago. And you know what? I did it. And it was a head start every single week. And it was a matter of like refining what already had been written, uh, praying through and updating some parts of it. But it gave me like a bit of a break that allowed me to focus on other aspects of church life and church building issues. So that's number one. And then the second bit of advice is you don't have to do this alone. I know that some church traditions use what's called a lectionary. And so that means that every church in its parish or worldwide is going through the same passages on the same Sunday. Well, we don't do that here in my church, and you probably don't do it in yours either. But I have found, and I've done this at least, I think, four, four years, is um, myself and some other friends, we've decided to parallel teach during the month of December. Because when else are you going to be looking at the same topic at the same time? Oftentimes in our own church traditions, especially in the, the Calvary Chapel world of which I'm a part of, you know, we're all working through our own different books at our own different times. But to plan out an Advent series together has actually been a very rich blessing. And so myself and some of my friends, um, Clay Worrell, Char Broderson, Keith Fortenberry, Mike Doyle in New York City, and then this year... Uh, with Connor Berry and Ted Leavenworth, we're doing a series together. So we're doing a three-week series looking at the incarnation through the lens of the Trinity. 
Uh, week one is going to be, what is the father doing in the incarnation? Why does he send the son? Week two is going to be, what did it mean for the son to take on flesh and enter into our world? Week three is going to be, what is the spirit doing in and around the birth of Christ? Not just the conception, but then also the songs he inspired, the prophecy about the birth of Christ. What's the spirit's role in the incarnation? And so, we haven't preached those series as yet, but we planned it out together as a group, myself, Connor, and Ted. And we're going to be working on it uh, together as kind of group work. We're going to be sharing our drafts. We're going to be commenting on it together. And we're going to preach probably three very different sounding sermons because it comes through our own voice and our own experience, but we work on it together. I have the disadvantage of being on a different time zone than the other guys, <laughs> but who knows, maybe they'll watch the live stream of my own earlier version of preaching on the incarnation through the lens of what the son of God is doing. And I'm sure they all, they already will have done their own work and have their own final draft, but what an encouragement to be able to watch a friend of yours preach the same stuff right before you get up to put your own take on it. Anyway, so that's my idea. You don't have to do it alone. The holiday seasons is a unique time when all of our preaching calendars overlap, and this could be some fun group work together. All right. I hope that this episode and all that we've done here at the Expositors Collective have helped you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. Enjoy the rest of November and especially enjoy the Sundays that are coming up in December. Yeah.